0: her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. I judge no one, yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury, as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself, since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So he said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me, he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed.
1: Good morning, church. Let's start with a word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, as we gather today to reflect on your word, we ask for your presence and guidance. Help us to understand the significance of Jesus' message at the Feast of Tabernacles and the events that preceded it. We pray that you open our hearts and minds so we may hear your voice and follow the path of light you have set before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. (coughs) I'm sorry. In this passage we read today, we we find Jesus still is in the temple, in the middle of the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. And as we discussed last Sunday, this annual festival occurred between September and October. And the central theme of the Feast of Tabernacles was the celebration of God's blessing through the the bountiful harvest. And it also involved a water ceremony that reminded the people of the importance of having life-giving water. And Jesus used this powerful illustration to invite those who thirst to come to Him and drink living water water for eternal life. But in addition to this ceremony of water, the time of the year when the Feast of Tabernacles was celebrated marked a transition from the long, sunny summer days to the dark, cold winter days. Kind of the opposite of what we are experiencing right now. And it's during this Feast of Tabernacles that another ceremony took place. And this ceremony was called the Lamp Light Ceremony. Historians have documented that the priest, the priest used 16 bowls. Sixteen bowls made of gold, and fill them. Uh, fill them with oil, and make lamps which they put on high places in the temple. They use long ladders uh, at night to light up the bowls, creating a breathtaking display, illuminating the temple's wall. While the bowls were lit. Levite's choirs would sing and people would dance in the streets carrying torches and singing hymns. Could you imagine that that beautiful um, uh, show of light during the night while they were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles? So on the last day of the Feast, Jesus was teaching in the place called the treasury that we read there in verse 20. And this was the very same place where the lighting ceremony took place every night. And here is where Jesus stood and declared, I am, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It was a beautiful moment to see Jesus explaining that whoever followed him will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. We need to remember right now that back those days, there was not electricity, right? If you want to go outside in the darkness, you need to be using a torch or a light, because if not, you will get very, very lost, or you can damage yourself. So it is in this context... Thank you, Brian. Thank you very much. It it was in this context that Jesus stood up and said, I am the light of the world. But before we delve into what Jesus said at the Feast of Tabernacles, let's take a look, let's take a closer look at something that happened earlier. It's important for us to understand this so then we can fully appreciate the significance of Jesus' message when he was saying, I am the light of the world. Notice how our passage starts in verses 1 and 2 in chapter 8 of the Gospel of John. If you go and read with me, this is what the verses said. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Take a moment to reflect on the picture of Jesus in these two short verses. Notice how he would begin his day with prayer. Arrive at the temple early in the morning. Warmly greet those who approach him. Sit down and share his teachings with the people. It is like these two verses are presenting us a picture of one day in the life of Jesus. Praying. Going back to the temple. People were coming to him and he was teaching them. So, you see, although Jesus posed no threat to anyone, his enemies, the leaders of the Jews, the religious leaders who had already tried to kill him in the previous chapters, they devised a new plan to get rid of Jesus. And this is the plan that they came with. They brought brought to Jesus a woman who had committed adultery and ask him how to punish him to punish her and verse 6 make it clear if you read in verse 6 it says these they said to to what to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him This was the plan. If Jesus had commanded the crowd to stone the woman, he would have put himself in a, very, in a very difficult position. The Jewish people were under the occupation of the Roman Empire and any form of capital punishment like stoning someone without the approval of the Roman was strictly forbidden. Forbidden. Therefore, if Jesus had encouraged stoning the woman, he would have been seen as going against the Romans and could have faced severe consequences. Right? On the other hand, if Jesus had forbidden the stoning of the woman, he would have been perceived as going against the law of Moses and could have... It could have been accused of heresy by the Jewish authorities. Regardless of which option Jesus chose, it would give his enemies a compelling reason to put an end to his life. That was the trap, right? So at first, he didn't answer them but when they kept asking him instead of giving them a straightforward answer Jesus responded in a way that surprised everyone notice what it says in verse 7 Jesus said "Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. That's all. By saying this, Jesus pointed out to the woman's accusers that they had no right to judge her because they too had done wrong because they too had sin. He did not deny the woman's sin or the need for punishment, but he reminded them that they had no moral superiority over her. In fact, Jesus knew that the accusers had a hidden agenda, they were not concerned about the law of moses or for the soul of this poor woman but rather with trapping jesus so they could kill him so jesus saw through their deceit and Pose their true intentions, revealing that they were just as deserving of punishment as the woman. The accusers were blinded by their own darkness, their own dark agenda, and they could not see their own sin. But Jesus, what he was doing was challenging them to examine themselves before judging others. Don't you think that was a smart move? And despite despite various theories, we don't know for sure what Jesus wrote on the ground with His fingers, with his finger. Something he wrote, the Ten Commandments, or the names of the scribes and Pharisees. But it's best not to speculate where the text is silent there. But what we know is that after finishing writing on the ground, Jesus stood up and saw that everyone who had accused her had Left the sin. So Jesus said to the woman in verse 10 and 11, Jesus had, had a conversation with this woman that was along with him there. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on sin no more. Sin no more. My dear friends, forgiven people Those who have an encounter with Jesus gladly leave their sinful ways and walk in newness newness of life, in the light. It is not possible for that person to continue living in darkness. And it is with this event as a background that Jesus spoke to them and said in verse 12, I am the light of the world. Can you see this woman, the religious leaders on the other side, and Jesus claiming Can you see that I am the light of the world? Whoever follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. The woman had been caught in adultery, a serious sin under the law of Moses that carried the death penalty. Her sin had separated from God and had put her in a position of shame and condemnation. She was in darkness because she had been living a life of lies, sin, and guilt and now was facing the consequences of her sin. She was in darkness, but Jesus... But Jesus, the light of the world, told her, I am not coming to condemn you. Go and sin no more. The religious leaders, on the other hand, were also in darkness. Because of their self-righteousness and hypocrisy, they did not want to admit that they were in darkness, and that they didn't want to admit that Jesus was the light. Carr was using some of the verses that I am I'm going to use again this morning. Do you remember how John opened his gospel in chapter 1, in verses 4 and 5? John 1, chapter 4, chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 says, In him, in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of man. Men, I'm sorry. In verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then verses 9 to 11 of the same chapter 1 says, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Jesus Was in the world, says verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive it. Don't you see that this is a prophecy of what was happening then later in chapter 8? The light came to the world, but the darkness was there, resisting. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. You see, Jesus' claim to be the light of the world was not just a a statement of his divinity, but also a declaration of his mission, he came, Jesus came to expose the darkness of sin and to bring the light of God, the light of God's love and mercy to all people. That was was what he was saying there. I am the light of the world. But this is what we are seeing in chapter 8. They rejected Jesus. They rejected the light. But on the other hand, the woman who received the light, the woman who believed that Jesus is the light, to all those in chapter one, verses twelve says, to all those who did receive him who believe in his name, says he gave the right to become children of God. To this woman who received him, Jesus gave gave her. The right to be called children of light. Children of God. That is the meaning to be in the light. The two responses people have toward Jesus can be seen in this text this morning. The woman caught in her sin experienced a life-changing encounter with Jesus. Leading to her forgiveness. This encounter illuminates her and move her to call Jesus Lord. Where are those who accuse you? Nobody's accusing me anymore, Lord. Her position of humility helped her to see the light in front of her. And she left no longer walking in darkness. The religious leader's response was completely different, don't you think? They questioned Jesus not not because they wanted to know the light. They questioned Jesus because they were comfortable in the darkness and they were trying to make more questions to avoid the reality that they were in darkness. Notice how they responded to Jesus in verse 13. So the Pharisees said to Jesus, You are bearing witness about yourself, your testimony is not true. Because Jewish law requires multiple witnesses to validate any, any testimony. Jesus had already mentioned John the Baptist as his witness, his miracles as his witness, the Father as his witness, and the Scriptures as his witness. Still, in this occasion, he one more time Told them, I have one witness with me, then we are two. Notice what it says in verse 17 and 18. Jesus answered, in your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bear witness about myself. There you have one. And the second one. The Father who sent me, bear witness about me. You have to witness. But as I said before, the religious leaders did not want one more witness to believe in Jesus. They disregarded him completely. Notice that after asking for a witness... They did not believe in the witness Jesus presented. They ask him <clears throat> I'm sorry. They ask him one more time, "Who are you?" In verse 25, and before that, they ask her, "Who is your father?" They did not want to believe, even when the evidence was presented in front of them. And sometimes, my dear friends, despite presenting evidence, people still refuse to believe in Jesus. And I know that it can be frustrating when we share The truth about Jesus with others, and they still rejected it. But accepting the truth requires more than just empirical evidence. It demands a spiritual awakening and a transformation of the heart and mind, which can only happen through the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit in each individual and in each person. is not presenting more evidence to people that they are going to become true believers. Embracing the light of Jesus is not just an intellectual exercise, but a spiritual journey that requires us to let go our preconceived notions and biases. And open ourselves to the truth of Jesus. That's why it is important to do what Carl was asking us to do today while we were singing. If we want to present evidence about Jesus, we cannot convert the heart of anyone it is only a work of god his grace who produce faith and who prepare the people to receive the truth of jesus our text presents two opposing responses to jesus The woman who accepted Jesus as the light of the world and the religious leaders who, even when presented with undeniable evidence, they rejected Jesus. In verse 24, notice what Jesus told them. John chapter 8, verse 24, Jesus told them, I told you that you would die in your sin. For unless you believe that I am He, unless you believe that I am the light of the world, unless you believe that I was sent by the Father... For the fa- By or for? Anyway. By the Father. Thank you. Unless you believe that I am the light you will die in your sins and this can be this can it sounds very harsh right but what did Jesus mean with this seems like Jesus is condemning everybody to die in in to die in their sins but if we continue reading if we continue reading we'll find out that Jesus was doing quite the opposite look in verse 28 it says Jesus said to them, "When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. If we understand the message of the gospel, We know that unless we receive the gift of God in Jesus, and unless we believe that Jesus was lifted on the cross to pay for our sins, to be our substitution, unless we believe that, we are going to die on our sins Because you are rejecting the lie, Jesus told him. You are going to die on your sins. But, but, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. In my home group, we are studying the book of Romans. And two Sundays ago, something that was said in our study stuck with me. There cannot be good news of the gospel if we do not hear the bad news of our sinful condition. And this is what Jesus was telling them. There is a substitution I am the light of the world. The Father sent me to pay for your and my sins. That is the good news. But before, Jesus told him, but if you don't receive me, you will die on your sins. Those are the bad news. It is so beautiful to see the woman caught in adultery finding the light when she believed the words of Jesus Neither do I condemn you. Have you heard those words from Jesus? He didn't come to condemn us, because he was condemned for us. But the other side of the coin is that sometimes, and I'm speaking personally, here. Sometimes I become like the religious leaders. I'm so looking around for the sins of others that I don't put the light of Jesus in my heart to help me to see my own sins. I point fingers very quickly. But our challenge for all of us this morning is to live in the light of Jesus every day. That's what Jesus was telling. If you want to be my disciples, you need to take up your cross every day. And what? Follow me. So this is a morning for someone who never have allowed the light of Jesus to come and to receive forgiveness, this is the morning. But for all of us that we have heard this message, it is a time as well where we, where we can review our hearts and say, Lord, I, I need to overcome this darkness in my own heart. I want to come to the light. I want to live in the light. I'm tired to be in the darkness, hidden in shame. Jesus opened the floor for all of us. It is an invitation. I want to pray this morning. And if there is someone who wants today to come to the light for the first time, or someone who wants to come to the light as me many, many times, I want to pray for you. I want to invite you to close your eyes. Let's together come to the light of Jesus. Lord, you know where, our, where we are in our journey. And as we have seen this morning, there are just only two responses to to the light. To reject it. Or to receive it. And today, by faith, Lord, we believe that you are the light of the world. And that whoever who comes to you, whoever who believes that you are the light of life, You granted, Lord, to become children of God, to become part of the family of God. We want to be that, Lord. We want to respond to you, Lord. And no matter, Lord, what our sins are, we ask you for your forgiveness. We ask you, Lord, for, for all of us here in this place. You will bring the light, Of Jesus, and you will bring forgiveness, Lord. Help us to follow you, Lord. Help us to walk in the light. Help us to leave behind, Lord, the darkness of our sin. Lastly, Lord, I want to pray that you will help us to be a light to those around us. There are many people that we love, Lord. No matter the amount of evidence that we present, present them, Lord, They are still saying no to the light. We pray for them right now, Lord, that you will go before us and that you will convict their hearts. You will bring the light of Jesus and they will be becoming part of the family of God. i and sisters, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace. The God of love and peace will be with you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amén.